Are you? Are you not the babysitter? Welcome to our second episode of Exploit It this week, the show where we talk about exploitation and cult films. I'm weak-ass voice Alexis Jowski. And uh, I took the time to go from uh, character in a devil movie to directing Barbie. So, there was that. Oh, yes, you caught who that was. I love that. I'm Kevin Daly. And this week we're talking about House of the Devil 2009, directed by T. West. I, for the longest time, was calling Ty, until I realized that his name was short for Timon. There you go. So it must be T, that he probably doesn't go by Timon, because he's heard Lion King jokes his whole damn life. Yeah, probably. He'd probably be up on a panel going, hello, my name's Timon, and some jackass going, hey, where's Pumbaa? And it makes me think that's why he does horror films, that everybody that dies in a T-West film is those motherfuckers that made Pumbaa jokes. Ah, the, uh, fuck, what's his name? Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Well, like, in Cabin Fever 2, there's a big girl that dies. Well, she's humiliated for being fat before all of her skin falls off. Oh, lovely. And I'm like, he did that because she's she's Pumbaa. Yeah. (laughs) But anyway, I love the films of T. West. Uh, This movie was the same year he did Cabin Fever 2, but all of his films are just 
completely different. A lot of it kind of like homages different themes. Like this one is specifically like a 70s devil movie. It has got some of the most beautiful cinematography I have seen in a movie in a long time. Yeah, and then he did The Innkeepers after this, which is a, a standard ghost story. Oh, I'd probably like that. I like ghost stories. Yeah. He did The Sacrament, which is a found footage film, but it's also about Guyana. Huh. And then he did a Western in the Valley of Violence. Uh, last year he did X, which is like a 70s slasher, and Pearl, which is like a horror film that's also an homage to like Douglas Sirk melodramas. It's got quite a range. Yeah. Although he did do the worst contribution to the ABCs of death. M is for miscarriage, which is just the, the worst of the whole bunch on that first move set. But anyway, so House of the Devil is starring Jocelyn Donahue has Samantha Sam Hughes. We saw her before. Do you remember where? Uh, she was very familiar looking, but now I do not recall. Episode 64, Summer Camp. She was one of the girls in Summer Camp. I think the kind of stuck-up rich one. Okay. She's also in Insidious Chapter 2, and we'll see her again because she's in Furious 7. Ah, yes. We'll get there. And then when I was looking at her on IMDb, it listed specifically that she was in a 2019 ad for Taco Bell Nacho Fries. That's very specific. Yeah, and I was like, why is IMDb mentioning a, a Taco Bell Nacho Fry ad? Well, apparently Taco Bell Nacho Fries went all out with their advertising and made like little ass short films. That is... That is the decision that they made. Because I went and watched the commercial and it's like, oh, the, the fries have been taken to another dimension. We have to train this, this spaceship pilot to, to go to this other universe to find the nacho fries. What? Why? <laughs> I don't know. The movie also gives us Tom Noonan as Mr. Ullman. Uh, he played Francis Dollarhide in the classic Manhunter. He was the killer in Michael Mann's oh. Manhunter. The the original version of that, that movie. The original version. When they... Well, Red Red Dragon, the, yeah. the prequel to Sons of Lamb. In Red Dragon, that role is played by Ray Fiennes. Yep. Um, he also played Frankenstein's monster in Monster Squad. Oh. And then he shows up in RoboCop 2 in Last Action Hero. I like the, this guy's performance in this movie. Oh, he's got a great performance. We have Mary Warrenoff as Mrs. Ullman. We saw her before playing Calamity Jane in Death Race 2000. Yes, that's who it was, right. I saw that. I'm like, ah, that's right. She even looks kind of the same. Yeah, we'll definitely see more. She, I mean, she does nothing but, like, cult films. Uh, we get... Greta Gerwig is Megan, who, yeah, she's a great actress, plenty of roles, but it's her work as a writer and director that's fascinating. She's my favorite character in this movie, too, which, of oh, course, I knew right too. away. I knew right away she wasn't making it through, because every time it's my favorite character always dies in these fucking movies. Yeah. She wrote and directed the films Lady Bird, Frances Ha, and as you mentioned before, Barbie. Yeah, she, uh, pretty big deal. Yeah. We have A.J. Bowen as Victor Ullman. Um, he was in this movie. The Signal, which I had on DVD when it came out in 2007, and I showed it to everybody I knew, but then I haven't seen it since. We have Dee Wallace as the landlady. Yeah, a, a very exciting, lengthy role. <laughs> yes, for the mom from E.T., who's also been in The Howling, Critters, Cujo, The Frighteners. She gets this little role here as landlady. Incidentally, we also have Lena Dunham as the voice of a 911 operator. Yeah, I'm not super familiar with what was the show she did. Girls, I, girls. 
I mean, I know what she looks like, but I wouldn't have been able to recognize her voice like like on the phone. Like that wouldn't have clicked with me. Then we also get T West for a moment as a teacher. So this movie it's inspired by the satanic panic that was happening in the early eighties, which you know all about that, right? Yeah. Yeah, but for our listeners, um, it really started in 1988 when a, a book came out called Michelle Remembers, which was like supposedly nonfiction, even though it's been thoroughly debunked, but it was like recovered memory therapy, and she remembered all of this satanic ritual abuse as a child, and so everybody in the world freaked the fuck out. This is essentially uh, the book version of uh, Blair Witch Project. Yeah. So it was believed that, like, the wealthy and elite were kidnapping children for human sacrifice and satanic sex rituals. People were, like, calling in false reports on daycares. Um, during this era, the National Center on Child Abuse and Neglect reported that there were 12,000 unsubstantiated cases of satanic ritual abuse with no evidence to support any of them. God, that's so that's such a waste of my fucking tax. Obviously, I wasn't paying tax at the time, but... Whoever was paying taxes had to pay for the time these these caseworkers had to deal with this random fucking satanic shit. Yeah, and then it eventually, you know, researched his Pizzagate and QAnon, all that has tinges of the satanic panic in it still. Yeah, because we don't actually bother to remember what happened before, we just keep repeating the same fucking idiocy over and over and over again. So, uh, before we get into the movie, let me repeat our usual idiocy that you can... <laughs> You can check out, check out more of our episodes at our website, exploititpodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram at exploititpodcast or the rabbit hole of repeating idiocy, Twitter. Yeah. And uh, whatever the fuck that uh, Facebook is trying to foist on Instagram now that's basically just as bad. Oh, Threads? But we're on Twitter at Podcast Exploit. Yeah. Threads is basically just the same assholes from Twitter coming over and ruining another platform. Yeah, I haven't looked much into it. Uh, it just shows up randomly when I'm browsing Instagram. So ah. that's a thing. Thanks, Facebook. But then we also have our Discord, the nice safe space of Discord. Yeah, I mean, we can curate who the fuck stays there. So Yeah, we have our exploited Discord where we do uh, watch parties every Thursday. Next Thursday, we're watching a uh, a movie. <laughs> you don't say. Yeah, uh, oh. the 1981 film Possession. But uh, you and I will talk about that movie later. And you can also contact us at exploitedpodcast at gmail.com. So the movie begins with some on-screen text that gives us info about, like, the satanic panic. Yeah. I don't know some, how, how... Some bullshit. Some bullshit about the satanic panic. Yeah, I don't know how accurate their statistics are, because they're like, During the 80s, 70% of Americans believed in the existence of abusive satanic cults, and another 30% rationalized the lack of evidence due to government cover-ups. So you're saying 100% of people believe there were satanic cults, 30% of which just believed that the government was covering it up. Yeah. And then there goes, the following is based on unexplained events, which it's not. It, this is not a true story. It just takes the idea of satanic panic and goes, what if they were right? And so we get Samantha in this house and we get to start looking up T. West's filmmaking. Because it, she's just standing there looking out a window as the camera slowly zooms in on her. and it's just. Beautiful. There are so many good shots in this movie, especially once you get into the house. Uh, the uh, movie, 
Yeah, the movie, by the way, it uses zooms instead of dollies because that's what they did in the 70s. Because this takes like all of the 1970s visual style to the fact that the movie is actually shot on 16mm. And so apparently Sam is thinking of renting this house and we get this sweet landlady who's like, Yes, you can have it. I was talking to another girl, but she was kind of cunty. I trust you. Yeah, that's, that's, that, was the, that was the gist of it, yeah. She's like, about the deposit. Oh, I'll just waive the deposit. Give me a check for the first rent, month's rent on Monday. Just the nicest lady in the world. And so Sam's walking away happy, and then she's frozen as the credits start. Yeah, we're, uh, we're up in uh, East Coast again. Yes, we're somewhere. Well, this was shot in Connecticut. Okay, there you go. Um, I think it's supposed to take place in upstate New York, though. Right. Like Brown Buffalo or thereabouts. Yeah, that, that's the implication. She, she mentions that she's from the state, but a different part of the state, downstate. Yeah. And so we get, um, the credits are very, very stylized. You get that yellow text, and it freezes oh, yeah. every time. Yep. Um, but it's a trademark of T. West to, to do these very genre-specific types. Like Tarantino, but far more broad. Right. I was going to say, he's definitely got that. Tarantino homage love love of these kind of movies. Yeah, but Tarantino just kind of homages the same styles over and over. Every- yeah, he has, yeah, Tarantino's very narrow. The stuff he loves is very specific. T. West is much more broader in the things. I mean, he goes from this to, like, a ghost story. You know, he's got, like, Pearl, the homaging Douglas Sirk melodramas. Yeah. I mean, it's it's great. So when Sam returns to her college in her dorm, um, which is just the dorm full of billboards, I don't know why I noted that there were just billboards fucking every five feet in her dorm. I think that's the case with older colleges. Okay. I think that's just like how some of the older dorms are, so you can write notes to Okay, to like people more in specific rooms. Yeah. Or more specific to this floor. Yeah. So her roommate has a sock on the door, and we can hear the moaning, and this is probably why Sam's looking for her own place. Oh, one of one of several reasons. Oh, yeah. As, we, as we'll be able to see shortly. So she goes outside, and uh, we get an ad on the, the billions of billboards outside that says babysitter needed, and that's all it says. The S is a dollar sign. Yeah. And it just has tearaway numbers. So she goes to a payphone, calls the number up, leaves a message. I think it's a call right away at the payphone. Which is odd. Yeah, this is the era before caller ID. Yeah, and I don't think you can start 69 to call back either. Yeah, that's why she's like, how did you get this number? Um, Oh, there is something interesting on the billboard, though, because the shot lingers there for a bit. Yeah. Everything on there's notifications about events and stuff regarding the eclipse. Yeah, I was going to say, I have a feeling the eclipse thing might be relevant. Yeah, all kinds of, like, there's, like, the astronomy club is doing stuff, there's a eclipse drinking party, and randomly one dude who lost his cat. (laughs) I mean, of course there's a drinking party, it's college. Yep, so the guy on the other end is like, Samantha? Yes, yes, I need a babysitter very badly. Meet me at student affairs. And she's like, what, like, like, right now? Nothing sus at all. Yeah. So she goes back to her dorm, the sock is off now, and, um... I do appreciate, you know, in both of the shots of the door, the way that the uh, the doorknob is, like, framed in the foreground. Yeah. With and then without the sock. And her roommate's an absolute slob. Yep. 
That's uh, that's why she'd want to move. College kids are fucking gross. Yeah, that room is just nasty, and she's sleeping with this guy that just kind of like leers over in Sam. So, uh, we also learned that college is about to get out for the holiday break because we we hear over here T West telling his class, "Okay, kids, enjoy the holidays." And the bells are playing. Hark the Herald Angels Sing. We got a little bit of a Christmas movie here. Yes. And she just waits out in the cold in front of the student affairs office forever. Like until her Walkman batteries die. Because she's very much like uh, that one girl in uh, Friday Five that she has to have that Walkman with her. Yeah, she's always got that Walkman. Um, so I love that it's got this nice cinematography, this foreboding vibe to it. And there's really two ways to like places you can film in the U.S. anyway. You can film in the Pacific Northwest where it's always dreary year-round. <laughs> yeah. Or you can go into the East Coast during the winter which is cold and bleak. Yeah. And this is cold and bleak. Yep. And you have the historic buildings to give some timelessness to it all. Yeah. Well, and the, of course, a Victoria, nothing like a creepy Victorian mansion to... Oh, yeah. To set your movie. So she goes to, you know, she gives up on weight and goes out to have pizza with her friend Megan, and we meet just the best character in the movie. I love Megan. She's like the best friend ever. Yeah, and this pizza shop, it, this is so 80s. This set is great. Yeah, I don't, I, I'm always amazed when they do, like, period pieces like this, and like, like that looks like a 80s pizza parlor. Those Coke glasses they have? Like, I know, like, I the love cups. them. I know, I love them so much. They had to buy them on eBay. To make this movie. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, Sam's trying to explain the, the apartment, and Megan's like, Oh, man, I wish you had pictures. But unfortunately, camera phones are still years away. Decades away. That Polaroid's around, but they weren't cheap or common in that time. So, um, the pizza's nasty, according to Megan. Yeah. Um, Sam doesn't know how she's going to afford any of this, you know. It's it's a young adult out on their own for their first time having to deal with, like, earning their own money and paying for their own place. Man, I'm 40 years old and I still have problems with that. Yeah. But do you remember the first time you did it on your own, how terrifying it was? Fucking hard. Yeah. And Megan's like, don't you worry, you know, if you need anything, my dad will help you out. I'll get my dad to give you. And she's like, no, no. And we learned that she has $84 in her bank account. She has to write a check on Monday for 300 And, um... I think Megan is suggesting, you know, because like, oh, well, that asshole that stood you up for the babysitting job, we should go tear down all of his posters. Right. I would do that for you because you're my best friend. Yep. And then I love the line here. She's like, did you go to the job board? That ham-faced girl says there's good stuff there. <laughs> so Sam goes back to her dorm. Her messy fucking roommate is also a snorer. And it's like the evening. Yeah. She's fuck it out. Which, admittedly, you know, you're up all night. <laughs> yeah, she was fucking early in the morning. Yeah, she has a very weird... She has, like, streamers, <laughs> streamer schedule. Yeah, so it's, like, really no wonder Sam wants her own place. She lives with a loud, horny pig. You know, I, I will say the difference between, like, night people and, like, day people it can be a problem. I, I, my roommate in college, we were really... We were good friends, but he was always up at, like, 8 in the morning to do shit. And then, like, that's when I would go to bed. <laughs> like, it'd be, like, 5 in the morning morning before I would go to bed because I'd be up all night and it just caused like issues so yeah it just doesn't work out I'm glad I had my own place when I went to school so I just you know I didn't have to go to a dorm yeah that was my apartment my second second apartment that we shared 
and then I got my own for my senior year, which was fine, but not great. So um, Sam has to run to the to the bathroom and the dorm and just have a good cry. And then when she gets back, um, the gross roommate's like, some guy called for you. I don't remember on your desk. And so she calls back and gets creepy voice guy. Who's like, I, I, mean, really, I really need a babysitter. Go ahead. At least the roommate was a nice enough roommate to bother to take the number down. Yeah. So not a complete waste of everything, but yeah, not compatible as a roommate. And um, babysitter guys, like I spoke to another girl today, but she was really cunty. Yeah, that was the uh, that was the implication. Um, which is a kind of the exact same thing the landlady said. Although I don't think there was a connection. No, I don't think so either. That would be funny if it was the same girl. Oh, it would if it was the exact same girl that looked at an apartment and then talked to this babysitter. Yep. What if it was the roommate? <laughs> yeah, that would be it. Extra funny. So he's like, I really need a babysitter tonight. I'll pay you $100. Which, that's a lot in 1980 money. And she really yeah. needs the money. Well, she needs to cut a check for 300 on Monday, so. Yeah. And so Megan's waiting in the car out front, fucking jamming to Greg Kinn's The Breakup Song. Both the score and the uh, and the licensed music in this movie are fucking awesome. Oh yeah, they're great. Uh, Megan drives a Volvo 240 sedan, which actually kind of important. Yeah. Other than being period appropriate, it's just say Volvos are the safest car, and they are. Volvos actually make. I mean, they're up there with Subarus in terms of like safety. Volvo is a tank. It's hard to. Yep. Expensive though. <laughs> Good old Swedish manufacturing, but not cheap. And they're driving away. Jam into Greg can. Really difficult to hide the big-ass modern parking garage, though. Yeah, I, well, I mean, if you're shooting outside, I mean, there's only so much you can do. But that stuck out in the shot to me, but didn't take me out of the movie. The radio is talking about all the Eclipse stuff kicking off after 10.30 p.m. Hey, and, don't say it. And Megan's like, ah, I don't care. It's not like the moon's gonna explode. <laughs> Man, that's a good point. And Megan is just the best friend ever. Yeah. Because she's like, I had to buy a map to find this place. She's like, I, I, I'm i going to go in with you. You know, I don't have to go see my boyfriend. I want to make sure you are good. And by the way, I did rip off all of the other babysitter ads. <laughs> yeah, she took it upon herself to do it. She's like, he was a jerk and you were super bummed, so I had to do it. Yeah, she's a wonderful person. She is. So they get to this house out in the middle of nowhere. It's fucking massive big mansion. Yeah, massive Victorian mansion in the middle of fucking nowhere. That that's not suspicious. They go up to the door, and we now we meet Mister Ullman. It's like very nice to meet you. Such beautiful girls. Huge red flag. Yeah, yep. and, and it's another one. It's like you're a doll for agreeing to this, and I'm like, oh, I hate that term. I hate when men say things like that. Dude is like ninety though. <laughs> yeah, walking around with a cane. And um, so Megan's like, are you a teacher? No, not exactly. Oh, the eclipse is tonight. Oh, are you an astronomer? No, not exactly. Yeah, I, I even knowing what he does at the end, I still don't know what he actually does. He hails Satan is what he does. I can't imagine that pays well. <laughs> no, but it's not like they're paying for the fucking houses we find out later. That's, that's true. But anyway, Megan's like, Sam, can we talk in the other room? And is like, no, girl, don't do this. 
I get bad vibes. And Spidey senses tingling. And um, and then Omen's like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I'm rude. My wife is very on edge about tonight." And Sam's like, "Oh, you're not being rude." He's like, "Actually, I am. Let me tell you the truth." And they uh, while he's doing that, Megan tries this like absolutely disgusting hard candy they have on the coffee table. Yeah, she's like, eh, eh. <laughs> like, not a fan of Werther's original. Apparently. No. But the truth that that Ullman is like, we we don't have a child. Uh, the babysitting is actually caring for my wife's elderly mother. Uh, we've been trying to get to weeks for somebody, but nobody like responds to elder care. So I I made up the babysitter bullshit. And um, he has this line of, it's probably all the horror stories you read in the paper, see on the news that have scared away girls of your age. Yeah. And I was like, dude, why are you looking for girls of a certain age? You need anybody for this job. But then you drop this certain age shit. That's that's huge red flag. Yeah, that's a, that's a little sus. Obviously, um, his his orders he is carrying out require somebody of specific age. Yeah. And so um, he, he's assuring her that it's totally easy. You, you won't even see this old woman. You know, she's independent you know, on her own. You know, you, you pray basically just going to sit down here and do nothing. And he's like, but we really, really need this. So he offers her $300. Yeah. That's her rent. Yep. Made her, made her an offer she couldn't refuse. And then she ups it to 400 and he pays that. Which I didn't like. I thought that was kind of rude. I mean, obviously we know that these are horrible people, but like if you, if you think about it, it's like, that's, you're kind of getting into extortion territory, right? If you buy what he says at face value. Yeah. It's like he desperately needs someone to take care of his elderly, his wife's elderly mom. Yeah. It's like, we're going to extort you to the tune of 400 bucks. Like, okay, come on, Sam. 300 was more than enough for you to cover your, your rent payment. I mean, Jesus, a, an at-home nurse could cover it for less than $400 a night. Right, which I guess is another red flag, but. Yeah. And Megan is like, fuck no, are you out of your mind? Don't do this, Sam, this is bad. Sam's like, I really, really need the money, I, I will. Be back to pick me up at 1230. And so Megan starts to leave, but she's like, nope, no, I can't leave Sam alone. I am the best friend in the world. And she turns around, and she's just going to wait the whole night there for her. Right, just down the road at the cemetery. Yeah, and so uh, she gets a cigarette, and then boom, this fucking hand with the lighter comes in to light it for her. Gives her a heart attack almost. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god, you scared the crap out of me. Take it easy. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to scare you. I I just thought you could use the light as all. So sue me for being helpful. I almost just died. Oh my god. I almost just had a heart attack and died. Here. You did. Safely. Thanks. All better? Aces. It's freezing out here. Okay. Where the hell did you come from? Did you just hide? Mm -mm. Are you? Are you not the babysitter? No, I'm not the babysitter. My friend. Yeah. It's so sudden. Comes out of like, nowhere. Jesus fucking Christ. 
the the bearded killer just leans in and takes the cigarette from Megan. Uh, the movie just really upped it a notch there. It's interesting. This movie doesn't actually have that much violence, except for a couple of scenes. Yeah, it's all about suspense and mood. Because for the longest time in this movie, nothing happened. It is a a slow burn, which, as everyone who listens to the show knows, that is my favorite kind. Yeah, but like nothing happens, but it's shot and choreographed so well that you're on edge. Yeah, just a perfect level of tension, which is, that's that's how you do a horror film, guys. Like, jump scares, like, a couple, one, maybe two in a movie, fine. But like, just having like a foreboding sense of dread, that's how you do it. Yeah. And this movie builds that sense of dread so well. Uh, Mr. Ullman, like, gives her half the money in advance, and then a little more for something to eat, saying, there's a number on the fridge for pizza place. I know you kids love pizza. I'm like, I mean, we do. Yeah. And I'm also, don't call that number. That seems sus AF. It, it, it is a little in hindsight. Yeah. Sam knows how to use a phone book. It's 1980-something. And then Mr. Ullman's like, I'm going to go upstairs to get to missus. I'll be back in two shakes of a lamb's tail. And we hear him talking to somebody up there, like, I've done everything you asked. No, this one's perfect. After tonight, we'll be complete. Ominous as fuck. Yep. And then we see Mary Warnoff as Mrs. Ullman, just like, oh, are you here for mother? Oh, you're a godsend. Sorry, I was in the basement getting my furs. Yes, furs. Yeah, and she's like all over Sam, like rubbing her hair, going, I bet the boys like you. A fine young beauty like yourself. And she goes, I guess. Yeah, totally uncomfortable. And then um, they, they leave, and Mr. Ullman reminds her like a third time, don't forget the pizza phone number on the refrigerator. And I'm like, yeah, that is it, so sus now. The way he's selling that pizza to her. I mean, there's got to be a pizza hut nearby somewhere. It's... So Sam uses the rotary phone in the kitchen to call Megan. It's answering machine. Right. She's got one of those dumb, hello? Oh, I'm actually not here. Leave a message. She does seem like the kind of dork that would have that message. Oh, but answering machines were like, all the new rage then. Yeah, everyone had to have a cool answering thing. She had her own phone. You had to have something cool. So then we get so many ominous shots that create nothing but mood. The outdoor shots of the house. There's a close-up of a sink dripping. That means nothing, but it just means means everything. But it could it could mean something. Yeah. So she finally calls the pizza pe- the pizza place who's like pizza pizza what you eating? And the guy's like what do you want? You want extra anchovies? <laughs> Which according to IMDb is a subtle reference to the 1989 film Loverboy where extra anchovies meant delivering more than pizza. Oh. Uh, yeah. Um so she wants a small pepperoni pizza and he's like we only have medium and large. And then I'm like no. Then you have small and large, because medium implies that it's somewhere between the two sizes. (laughs) (laughs) I went on a whole rant in my notes, but like, if you have two sizes, there's no medium. Unless you're just- This is like, you work on your (laughs) stand-up (laughs) axis. Like, unless, were you just out of small pizzas? Maybe. She gets a medium pepperoni pizza, it's eight bucks. He's like, see you in 30, babe. Think think about eight bucks that- Eight bucks in like eighties dollars is like twenty five fucking dollars, and we thought prices for pizza were bad today. They're not. I get pizza every Sunday, and I get two medium pizzas, and it comes to about thirty dollars. That's what I'm saying. Like you get twice as much pizza today, even with our inflation, apparently. Yeah. 
that or when they were doing the movie, they didn't think about converting prices to actual prices from that era. I also order my pizza from a restaurant that I know, and I get lots of toppings, not like some phone number an old dude put on his fridge. Oh, I thought that was how everybody did their pizza. <laughs> Maybe I should stop doing that. No, shit. I use an app. Oh, so don't call a random <laughs> number the old guy gave you. Okay. Yeah. I learned a lot today. So everything in this house is ominous as she's looking around, and she's just poking around the house. Uh, Creaky-ass doors and footsteps. It feels like a horror movie, even though there's no horror happening. Yeah, and these great shots. I just beautifully framed. And- All the shots just linger, too. Like when she goes and sees this billiard table, we just stare at the billiard table for a little few seconds more than we need to. Oh, yeah. Apparently, she's really good at pool. Yeah. And then she goes and plays heart and soul on an organ. Yeah, I think it's a harpsichord. Oh, okay. If I, if I recall looking at it thinking, like, I think it's a harpsichord and listening to it. Yeah. So she hears distant footsteps and heads upstairs. Yeah, it's a, harps, it's a harpsichord. Okay. I just looked up pictures of harpsichords. That's what it is. We had an organ that Martha inherited at some point. Never worked. It was a piece of garbage. I don't know why we held on to this thing. I think she was trying to sell it. It looked kind of like that. Yeah. Harpsichords are cool. I mean, they're like pianos, but they the way they interact with the strings is a little different. And, oh, I, I have more notes just going off about the, the cinematography, that there's no wasted shots in this movie. Yeah. Um. So she goes up in the office, looks out the window. That fucking amazing shots of her looking outside are great. Um. Either when it's like her looking out through the curtains in the office or when she's in that, like, big, long hallway. You know the shot I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So she walks into a different room, and it's like a kid's room. There's a fishbowl. There's a suitcase. There's, like, kids' clothes around. There's a cowboy mural, sports trophies. Yeah. A lot of attention to detail. The room really has a, a lived-in look to it, though. Right. And uh, didn't he say there was no kid? Yeah, hmm. he said they have no kids, but there's this kid's room, and I don't know why she doesn't question it. And um, and actually, I had forgotten the twist that comes, and I was like, what the fuck is this fucking room? Yeah, I hadn't seen the movie before, so it was all like, hmm. Yeah, this is weird. And um, so she decides to just pull out her schoolwork to study, but she's not that motivated. So she eats a candy bar, and it still feels so fucking creepy, and it's her just eating a candy bar. Yeah. And then there's this bit that I don't like, where she turned on the TV to watch the news. Right. And they're like, thank you for turning into the news. I'm so-and-so and I'm so-and-so. Our first story for this evening, our top story is the eclipse. And that's the news for tonight. Bye. And she just turns it off. It's like, all right, 30 seconds of news. I'm good to go. And I was like, that was the entire news broadcast? Because they opened it with like, welcome to the news. And they introduced themselves. They say Perfect. some things of the eclipse. And they're like, and that's it for the news. Stay tuned for this movie. Turns out, uh, not a fucking thing going on in this town, except for <laughs> clips. So she takes out her trusty Walkman, and we get this great fucking song. Yeah, it's The Fix. One thing leads to another. This song is amazing. I love this song. So when I was watching it on Tubi, she puts the tape in the Walkman, and she hits play, and we get the tick, tick, tick of the drum. And then fucking boom, I get a commercial for FanDuel. <laughs> like fucking cock-blocking FanDuel. Yeah. I love that song. They play it on First Wave all the time. I fucking, that song is a banger. Oh, yeah. And she's dancing around. Well, she plays pool first. Yeah. And then um, then she's dancing in the hallway all around the house. 
Uh, IMDb points out that the choreography was done by Jocelyn Donahue. Oh, nice. I'm like, you don't say? Because she's just kind of flailing around like a natural, regular girl just jamming to a song on her yep. own. It's yep. not like a dance number. <laughs> and then as she's doing her fun time, she knocks over a vase. And that's the end of the fun time. Yep. And so she's cleaning up the broken vase. She opens a closet next to it, and it's full of furs. Yeah, so that's a little odd. Yeah, she's like, I thought she said these were in the basement. And she starts going through the stuff in the closet where there's pictures and whatnot of some, some other family. Like yeah. there's a dad and a mom and a child. And they got their Volvo parked in front of the house. Which uh, she remembers Megan pointing out the Vol- Volvo when saying safest car on the road. Yeah. So the family in this picture makes sense, especially with like the kids' room. Yeah. So who the fuck are the Ullmans? Yeah. Hmm. Us. And so she goes outside to look, and the, the Volvo's gone, but there's a big fucking super van. <laughs> you know, and the, there's a creeper around there with a pair of boots stomping out a cigarette. So Sam's trying Megan again, feeling frustrated. And now she's just walking around the house with a knife. She's that level of scared now. Yeah, well, it's creepy now. Yeah. She goes to use a bathroom, and we linger on the door while we listen to her pee. Yeah. And then there's thuds from upstairs, and she opens the door. She's like, the fuck was that? She got the knife in her hand. Yeah. And she's walking around with this knife, following these ominous sounds. And she stops at this one closed door. It's like, hello, everything okay in there? Unfortunately, does not open this door. Yeah, because if she'd opened the door, she might have just fucking get the fuck out of the movie. Yeah, because, well, the movie shows us what's on the other side of that. A whole fucking dead family. They're all butchered. One of the few scenes in this movie uh, where is not really from uh, Sam's point of view. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and the little kid is in the middle of a pentagram, all cut open and his eyes gouged out. It's satanic as hell in that room. Yep. They sacrificed those people. I was going to say, a ritual has been performed. Yeah. Um, she, she's distracted by another thud and goes, goes about investigating. But then the doorbell rings and it's a jump scare kind of moment. Yeah. She runs to the door... Takes the pizza, throws the money, and goes, keep the change, and she sits on the floor holding the pizza. Um, And it's another brief moment that's not Sam's point of view, because we get to see that the pizza guy's the bearded fellow that shot Megan. Yeah, one of the three scenes in the movie, I would say, where you don't, you see something that Sam doesn't see. Yeah, and he's looking in the windows at Megan, uh, not Megan, at Sam, making sure she's chill, I guess. Making sure she's in the house still. And so we know that this pizza is even more sus now. Yeah, the, the pizza is now extra sus. And has he stopping to light a cigarette? Like, behind him, we see that the moon is three quarters covered. The eclipse is underway. Yeah. So now she decides to call the number that the Olmans gave her. Like, oh, this is the number we will be at. It's a fake-ass number. Yeah. She calls 911 for a second and then hangs up. That's when uh, Lena Dunham calls back. <laughs> right. Saying, ah, oh, you know, this number's for emergencies. And this pizza, when she opens the box, that is one nasty fucking looking pizza. It is not a high quality pizza. That looks like pizza that's been sitting out on the counter for a couple days. The cheese is all like dried out and gross. And it's at this point, I think that wherever their school is, this region just has shitty pizza. Yeah, because yeah, the pizza that they had at the restaurant there, Megan said, was nasty. Yep. So she watches a couple scenes of Night of the Living Dead. I was going to say, that was Night of the Living Dead, right? Like, I was pretty sure. Yep. We're, we will eventually be doing that in the coming year. Not actually exploitation. Exploitation adjacent, but... It's cult. Excellent film. Yes, it's cult. It's excellent, though. 
Yep. So she takes a couple bites of this nasty ass pizza and is like, "Oh yeah, this is this is gross." And Unfortunately, she ate enough. Yeah, she's really rinsing her mouth out with this water, which yep. really just illustrates how fucking gross this pizza was. Yeah. Um, she's hearing hissing from the sink. You know, she goes about creeping again, listening to these sounds, listens to the door of the murder room again, but again doesn't open it. And then she finds a leaky bathtub faucet, and she, when she goes to, to turn it off, she opens the curtain and the bathtub's just full of hair. Yeah. I have no idea why, either. Yeah, I, I don't either. Even after making her way through the movie, like, what the fuck was with the hair? So, uh, now she's going up to the attic. She pulls the string for the light and the, the stairwell there, and then just, like, bzz, all the lights are out. She yep. just, like, fucking blew a breaker. Um... And it's pitch dark because we see that the, uh, the 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 eclipse is at its peak now. The whole moon's covered, and there's somebody on the other side of this attic door. And she's like, "Oh no, I gotta go!" But she's all woozy from the poisoned pizza. Yeah, and passes out in the hallway. Turns out, roofied pizza. Yeah, didn't take much. No. And then uh, we go from the dark. We get we just get like steady beats and flashes of things, and that that are like with her heartbeat. Yeah. There's like the red moon. There's a candle. Finally, Sam tied up, bound on a pentagram. Yep. And the movie's now in a just, it's now in the third act. Very different uh, feels in this last uh, scene. The way it's shot, everything is very different. A lot yeah. more frantic. Yeah, she is screaming. There's like pentagram candles. There's an altar to Satan. She's in a white robe. And then everyone walks in. Mr. Ullman and his wife. Uh, the, the bearded dude, who I guess is their son. Yeah, I guess is their son, Victor, I think. He actually has a name, but I don't think they ever use it. Yeah, and then um, this old old grandma, this hag, this demon-looking woman. Yeah, she looks like her face was had the skin craft, like, grafted to it. <laughs> yeah, she takes a good sniff of Sam. Yep. And then lifts up the robe to draw a pentagram on her belly button. and yep. puts, Yeah, then puts a, a mangled black goat skull there and fills it up with blood. Then makes Sam drink the blood. It's creepy. Yep. But Sam manages to free herself. She scratches out the old hag's eye. She gets Mr. Ullman with something. Pops. Gouges out Victor's eye. Yeah. And then upstairs, she trips over Megan's faceless body, and she's like, No, Megan! And she. Was, I do have a question about that. but Like, why do they drag her body into Why the do they even bother dragging Megan's body in there? I don't know. Because they just left the people that lived in this house dead upstairs, you know? All sacrificed and shit. I mean, Megan's already dead. It's not like they're going to sacrifice her. It's too late for that. Yeah. So she gets a knife. She runs upstairs. Um, she gets shot in the shoulder by Vincent. Yeah. But she still manages to slit his throat and kill him. Yeah, apparently the shot didn't affect her too much. Yeah, she gets up the attic stairs. Uh, there's something else going on with her, though. She keeps grabbing her stomach. Her stomach's looking all weird. Yeah. What's that? Yeah, Mrs. Ullman's like, oh, it's working. Yeah, no, it's gonna happen no matter what you do, you little bitch. She takes her wig off and just starts praying to Satan at the window. I mean, maybe that's where the hair was, but why shave her head and then put a wig on? Well, and she wasn't shaved bald. She just had, like, really thin old lady white hair. Yeah, I'm very confused. So Sam stabs her in the back, kills her. And runs back downstairs, and she's smart enough to grab the gun this time. Yep. Uh, she tries to call 911, but she keeps giving visions of that hag and pains in her belly. Yep. She makes it to Megan's Volvo, 
but I can't remember why she doesn't drive it. No keys, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, maybe not. I know she runs further down into the cemetery. Yeah, she's running through the cemetery, and Mr. Ullman's like, no, hey, hey. Yeah, she stabbed him with, like, the ritual dagger, which apparently wasn't enough to, like, severely wound him, just enough to, like, slow him down. And he's just like, Megan, let's talk about this. No, Sam, Sam, let's talk. You know, Satan likes you. You just got to accept him, okay? And so she's She's like, I'm just a messenger. Yeah. You can kill me if you want. She's like. Just do what he told me. Yeah, and she's like, oh, nope. And she shoots herself in the head. And Mr. Ullman's like, no. Yeah. But then we, we get a news about, like, astronomers are baffled by the eclipse and how that it just, like, ended suddenly. Yeah, how about that? Yeah. And we're in a hospital now. I think every week or other week we have a movie ending with the people recovering in a hospital. Yeah. But Samantha's alive and the nurse is like, oh, hey, you're going to be just fine. And then rubs her belly going, both of you. Yeah, she's pregnant with the Antichrist, apparently. Yeah. This movie's uh, awesome. An immaculate conception of sorts. Well, maybe. I mean, we don't know everything that happened when she was unconscious. That's true. Um, This movie's awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's fantastic. We need to do more T-West movies. Yeah, I'm down. And so next I, week, we're doing Cabin Fever 2 and Inkers yeah. and No, no, we're not. There's just, just, fuck it. We're, we're T-West podcast now. Yeah. December's T West month now. Um I have one problem with this movie and it's the <clears throat> the kind of breakneck ending. Yeah. But I was thinking about it, I'm like, we spend most of the movie just from from Sam's perspective. There are a few scenes just to kind of to hint at more ominous things to come with Megan getting shot or the dude delivering the pizza or the sacrificed family. We're, we're not given her point of view, but everything else is from her point of view. And so if you take that into account, it's like, she wakes up fucking, and shit has to go. Like, Yeah. So, I mean, it is it is a little jarring, a little bit of a visual whiplash, but um, at least it kind of still makes sense. Well, it's also the setting is strained at the end. You really can't do much, because you have the bulk of the movie, you have this huge giant house for her to wander around. Yeah. Um, so she can wander around in this house and have all these different things, but there, she's just tied to the floor in the basement. You really can't do much. Unless you're gonna just go full-on torture porn, which would have been a terrible idea. That would have been a terrible idea. You could, you could do some monologuing. Always bring yeah, that would have felt really trite, though. It would have. Mr. Ullman comes and is like, the devil, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a little cliche. It also would have padded out the movie's runtime, which was already pretty much correct. So yeah, this movie's at a like it's at a solid yeah. ninety minutes. Pretty yeah, much. it's just like ninety-five minutes or something like that. Yeah. yeah. So but then, I don't think I needed another ten minutes of padding. So of monologuing about Satan. Movie won yeah. all kinds of genre awards. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, a lot of you know. It's got an eighty-five percent on a uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Minus points for killing Megan off. Yeah, she was a great gal. Also, Greta Gerwig looks a lot like Brittany Murphy. That was kind of throwing me off the whole time. She's a very make, blonde, but yeah, kind of uh, making me a little sad. It's like, oh, rip Brittany Murphy. Brittany Murphy always played the best friend too. Yeah. Yeah, this movie's great. This is the finest coffee. Yeah. 
this is for me that has like really good coffee that might have maybe that last sip is just a tad bitter. You know, you're kind of not expecting it, but you're like, eh, it's still, it's, it's like, not nearly, a, it's not, it's not a, pro, it's not a problem. It's just like, it's a little different than what you're expecting. Maybe, maybe slightly more bitter than you were hoping, but yeah, it's still really good. I'm going to go pour myself some more. Yeah. Like that, that last sip, like grounds have settled at the bottom. Yeah. That's my coffee most days. <laughs> yeah. You always get a little bit of that. It's like, whoa, that was a little stiff at the end there. I'm like, all right, fuck it. I'm going to go pour myself some more. Yeah, or yes. The other day when I was making my coffee and the creamer wasn't pouring. Uh-oh. And I squeezed the creamer and this just like vomited this cream that was the consistency of like sour cream. Oh, no. Well, I, I would hope you, you started over on the coffee and didn't drink that. It splashed into the coffee. I was like, nope, oh, nope. Nope. This cream is gone, and I'm just going to make a new new cup and put milk in it. I put half and half in my, I make my coffee with half and half. And uh, I remember one time I opened up my half and half, and it was just like, it wasn't supposed to be expired yet. I think it was like that day or the next day. And I figured I still had it, you know, usually it lasts a little bit longer than that. And I just, uh, it's just like chunks. I'm like, nope. Starting yeah. fresh. Let's uh, let's start again. Well, that didn't happen. Throw this away. Mine is because I get the like a uh, coffee mate, but it's the the cream one. But yeah. it's still not dairy. Yeah, it's the um, vegetable based. You know. Yeah, and so it wouldn't have expired until like February. That's weird. Yeah, but my, for my some wife, reason it was just wife. thick and nasty. Yeah, that's what my wife uses, the Coffee Mate, like, cream, yeah. non-dairy creamer. I like my dairy. <laughs> I can't help it. Well, I'm lactose intolerant, so. So is, so is she, so that would explain a lot. And then my it also dad, lasts forever, which is helpful. Yeah, and then my dad's got health issues, so we have to get the sugar-free variety, which I'm fine with. But yeah, so The House of the Devil, amazing movie. Yep, I highly suggest it. It's very, very good. Yes, it's one of the best we've had. Next yep. week, our theme is Sam, meaning Sam Neill. Yep. And we're watching the 1981 movie Possession. We're going to discuss that that movie and then another Sam Neill movie that's going to be very good. Yes, by a director that we have done. So we will talk to you then, everybody. Good night. Good night. Say